Welcome to I Heart B Movies. Hello and welcome to iHeart B-Movies, the podcast that specialises in discussing B-movies of all genres from the 80s, noughties and today. I am your host, Evan Pichalist, and my co-host here is Tom North. Hey folks. And today we have a special guest, and that is Greg Sestero. Among his many achievements, Greg is an accomplished actor, filmmaker and author. He's most notably known for his work with the cult classic, The Room, and his book, The Disaster Artist, which was made into a movie that is the story of The Bacon Room, starring James and Dave Franco, Seth Rogen, and Zac Efron. Greg, welcome to iHeartBeat Movies, or should I say, oh hi, Mark. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, welcome. Hey, Greg. How are you going? Um, Yeah, how about you? Where are you guys at? We're in Melbourne, Australia. Ah, the great city. I've been there... Uh, several times it's always a blast and I'm hoping to come back next February oh wow uh, yeah Nova is a, a cinema that I've been to several times and uh, they really know how to put on a show so uh, okay. I always love coming to Melbourne though we have to catch up when you come down we'll have a couple of shrimps on the bar before you <laughs> or my favorite is the Choc Top the Choc Top oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. it's always a must uh, yeah in any uh, sort of Australian cinema. So when you came down to the movies, have you seen like how the audience dresses up and put on the show? Last time I was there, there was people coming in dressless yourself and you had Tommy with the long hair, the trench coat, and like little scenes with spoons being thrown around where those shots occurred on the screen. It was just so interactive. It was hilarious at the same time. Yeah, Nova's been doing it for 12 years now. And every time I go, there's always a surprise. There's always people bringing, you know, self-made shirts, posters. Uh, it's just one of those things, you know, the Aussies know how to do it. And I've always enjoyed coming down there. I've been down there like four or five times. Um, and uh, it's, it's always, yeah, it's always great that the participation is really smart too. They'll, they'll come up with a different kind of humor. And, and uh, But there's this one time, there's this father and son that, that showed up at a screening and they had made a life-size Tommy doll. Wow. It's like a Muppet. And uh, they would act with it and talk like it. So it was pretty... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'd love to say that. I can't believe I agreed to go on this trip. Just wait till you see this place. So, Greg, can you tell us about the Miracle Valley being released of late? It is. It'll be coming out uh, September, and then we're going to be showing it down in uh, in Nova uh, early next year. But yeah, it's it's a horror movie. It's sort of a '70s infused style. I was always a big fan of that genre. You know, Race with the Devil, The Hills Have Eyes, Halloween, oh, yeah. uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just horror movies that are so outlandish and out there that there's a little bit of comedy and fear and all that. So I'm right before the pandemic, I went out and wrote a screenplay, moved to the middle of nowhere, made this movie and uh, you know, the world stopped. And then now uh, we're getting back out there. So it's finally coming out. It's based on a true story about a cult, which is right up my alley. I've been part of the room cult for 20 years. 
So it's time to give back. And um, yeah, we've been showing it to audiences and they've been getting a real kick out of it. You know, with the crowd, it plays, there's there's comedy there, there's cheering, there's, it's almost like they started quoting Miracle Valley lines when they started watching The Room. Wow. So wow. for some reason, I, I, I seem to get caught in these kind of movies, but uh, it's always a blast and I can't wait to bring it down to Melbourne and uh, show Miracle Valley as well and give people a, a taste of what I can do behind the camera, pulling a, a Tommy Wiseau, writing, directing, starring, producing, um, you know, sort of taking on that challenge. And how are you finding that challenge in its own right? What motivated you to take this on? I think, you know, at the end of the day, I love movies and I wanted to get out there and make movies. That was the goal initially. You know, I fell in love with the movie Home Alone when I was 12 and wrote a sequel for it. So I just wanted to get out there and, and make movies. And, you know, I was I was uh, in this predicament where I, I made the movie called The Room with Tommy. It was a movie I didn't expect anybody to see. And uh, it's, it's been, you know, around the world now for years. I'm very grateful for all the craziness it's brought. And then I wrote The Disaster Artist. And my goal with The Disaster Artist was for that to become a good movie. Because I thought, what a great challenge. Tell the story about making a terrible movie and then have that become a good movie. So. Um, once I, when, you know, once I did that, I thought, hey, I'm going to get back in and, and, and have fun and make films and uh, give the audience something new. You know, they're always going to appreciate the room. It's something that plays great with the crowd and the shock value is like no other. You know, the sex scenes and all that, the, the, the plot holes. But I figured, you know, here, here on out, go out and, 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 and make movies. And right now I'm, I'm writing a UFO abduction script that I hope to make next year. So. You know, I just wanted to get back to what I what I love to do, and that's just tell stories and and, and make films. Yeah, just uh, leading on from that, Greg. I've, I've we've been reading on IMDb about Forbidden Sky. Uh, is there anything you can sort of tell us about that? Is that still the working title for your UFO movie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Forbidden Sky. Yeah, it's about a a radio host who gets a call that uh, you know he's a guy who lives up in the middle of nowhere, runs this very amateur radio show, late night show gets a call from a mysterious call that sort of places him as the mediator between earth and this alien race. And it's sort of a play on, you know, some of the inspirations are Ex Machina, The Truman Show, Fire in the Sky, uh, you know, some of my favorites, Jurassic Park, just kind of telling stories that go back to the, the 80s and 90s, those kind of stories we like. So it's called Forbidden Sky and it's one of the craziest things I've thought of as I'm, as I'm digesting it now and, and doing some polishing on the script. I'm like, this is truly insane. So I really hope we can make it and get it out there and have people uh, give them something new to watch. Fantastic. Oh, that's great. What are your thoughts on the whole UFO phenomena with uh, the declassification of the Pentagon and you see all that military footage from Mexico as well, chasing the uh, those UFOs in the F-16s? I got the idea. It was like three, four years ago. And my mom was like, huh, UFO movie. That's kind of, I don't know, what is that? Like she was and also, and ever since then, it's been all over the news. And she's like, what did you start? <laughs> you got to go and make that movie now. People are like talking about it. So, yeah, I, you know, I've been diving in. I've taken UFO night tours. I've gone through the whole process of listening to so many different accounts. And it's one, some of those things. Some days you believe this, some days you don't. And that's sort of what the movie is tying in, is what our, what our thoughts carry us when it comes to the subject. Fantastic. And are you working with Tommy on the movie called The Big Shark? (laughs) 
So that was just a teaser that was made a few years back. Um, so the movie still needs to get made, but uh, the teaser, you know, does make it look like it's a real movie. So, um, but for now, it's just a teaser. That's okay. Uh, any uh, other sort of upcoming projects on the horizon? Anything uh, you, you're writing? So I got, I'm working on the UFO abduction story. I did do a movie over the pandemic called uh, Infrared. It's a found footage throwback to the Blair Witch Project, which is just released last week. Jeff, come on in, guys. I'm so excited for you guys to meet her. Does your wife work here also? She taught here. Well, not like right there, but... It... <laughs> it's now on Amazon and Tubi and, and all that. So I have a really interesting role in that. People have said it's the weirdest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Uh, my performance is totally different. So if you want to check that out, it's called Infrared. If you're into found footage movies, Yep, absolutely. No, definitely. Also, a movie called Cyst, which came out uh, a couple weeks back as well, um, which is another strange one. And if you guys haven't seen it, it came out a little over almost uh, two years ago. It's called The Haunting of Bly Manor. I have a cameo on that on Netflix. Uh, the director, uh, he's, he's tremendous. He uh, he was a big fan of the Disaster Artist book, and. Um, and he gave me a role on that. So Haunting of Blind Manor. So I seem to be veering all into horror now. So hopefully that's a good thing. Shanish, loving it. Absolutely loving it. We just talking about the room and what initially drew you to Tommy? I think what draws draws people movie. It's just something so unhinged and different that you can't help but look away. And I think as a 19 year old aspiring actor seeing him perform, I was just drawn to like, what is this guy really about? You know, and you get drawn into the the innocence, the childlike enthusiasm, the weirdness, the mystery. It's just a cocktail of insanity that's charming in its own way. And, you know, that's how it all started. And the filming process of The Room, how would you explain that? Like, if, how would you summarize that? You know, it's one of those things, if you're going to go through something like that, it's great to go through it when you're like early 20s, because you're open to that kind of experience, you know, the chaos, things that don't make sense. Um, you know, just disbelief, people quitting, people getting fired, you're not knowing what's going to happen each day. Uh, it was a fascinating thing because I'd known Tommy before. So going into it was very much like a social experience um, and getting to see the way he operated around other people. So, you know, you'd have cast members that changed halfway through, you know, rooftop green screen in a parking lot. People always asking why, what's happening. It was just really entertaining in a way if I, because I had the view that I had. Um, it was pretty amazing looking back, you know, watching Tommy prep for those sex scenes. And he's like, you know, I have to do it. Uh, you know, I was like, what's that? He's like, I have to show my ass to sell this movie. Tommy, this is not necessary. No, very necessary. I need to show my ass to sell this movie. I think you're aiming a little I am what I am, just do the scene. Why is he having sex with her belly button? He knows where her vagina is, right? And I just remember thinking, yeah, you need to go for it. I was always there <laughs> encouraging the madness versus trying to stop it. So I think I was at the perfect point in my life to, to be a part of, of the room. And just that ask scene, were you in your mind thinking, should I encourage him there or should I like say, oh, it's a bit, a bit TNA-ish or like... Yeah, I think he really thought this was an important factor. And I kind of was like, yeah, if that's what you see, go for it, you know? Because uh, I just want to see if you would do it, if you would pull it off. <laughs> so, it's a bit of a dare, right? Like, yeah. 
<laughs> you can I say completely understand that if you're in this situation already, you just, I don't know, you want to sort of build all the value out of it, especially if you're in your early 20s, uh, young person. Yeah. That's what you all Yeah, why not, why not push the push the train downhill, you know, instead of trying to push it uphill? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go with a flow rather than against it, right? <laughs> Uh, what what are your special memory memories or scenes on set? I think the high mark scene was pretty incredible. Um, just getting you know chance to watch Tommy walk out of that outhouse and have to hit his mark, say mark. It was just all uh, chaotic, like thirty something takes of the same thing after you know after another. And I think the Chris R scene is this is one of those you can just throw on and, and, and people have never heard of the room, never seen it, have them watch that and watch their face and their reaction. And their yeah. <laughs> hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hey. <laughs> what is this? And like, tell me everything. So I think if you're going to show somebody a, a scene and, and we filmed it, took three weeks to film, but um, it's the one scene that I think encapsulates what the room is about. Yeah, right. And he wrote the script. Yeah, it was uh, a few of those scenes with Denny when he's like, uh, you can love someone deep inside your heart. Like that scene, there was like, just this beautiful, innocent magic to it. And he had a script in his back pocket. He's trying to make it work. And the whole thing, you couldn't believe what you were watching. And again, for me, it was a movie I didn't think anybody would ever see. So I was taking it in as like you making a movie with your buddy or He's singing in a, in a concert. He doesn't quite get how these things work. So you're watching it go down and going like, oh my God, this is just a train wreck. But there's no fear because you don't think anybody's gonna ever see it. So yeah. it's a very interesting balance of what happened. Oh my gosh. Are, are you still in touch with Juliet and Phil? Yeah, yeah, we've kept in touch. Everybody uh, has a really great perspective and attitude on the whole making of the movie. Because again, it's something we didn't expect anything from, and it's brought you know a lot of a lot of audiences and people a lot of laughs, a lot of joy, and that's like that's why we make movies. It's just in a very roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, moving on to the disaster artist, Greg. Uh, are you overall happy with how the movie adaptation turned out? Because after all, it is your story. Uh, it is your personal history. Are, are you happy with how that turned out? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, the, the goal with writing the Disaster Artist book was for it to become its own film. And uh, three weeks after it came out, James Franco and Seth Rogen reached out, and um, which was super exciting. And, you know, they put a, get together an amazing cast, great screenwriters, and everything you could have hoped for that, uh, you know, a movie would get made based on the book. So I was just thankful, and I'd go to set a lot and just learn. Um, and the whole process, the release, everything was very exciting. And I think people seem to really enjoy it. You know, you have a book that I think a lot of people like that, you know, they wanted more in it, you know, more stories. And, but when you make a movie, you have to make decisions and what you're going to tell and how you're going to adapt it. So I was just grateful that it all went down. Fantastic. Excellent. And were there scenes past the book that were left out in the movie that you wished were kind of left in and perhaps they were cut out? I, uh, I really, in the book, I really love the, the backstory, the mythical stuff about Tommy and where he came from and the San Francisco stories. Like, like that could be its own Netflix series, you know? So I wish it was. If we would have gone into that, I think it would have changed the tone of the movie they were making. So I think they were smart in focusing on the story they wanted to tell. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I saw it for the first time at a test screening, people loved it. And uh, I thought it really worked. Brilliant. No, it was an amazing movie. It was so well told. It was very entertaining and it won a number of awards as well. So it got that publicity. And has that inspired you to go down the writing path as well, Greg? Yes. I, um, I, that's why I sort of went out and wrote Best Friends, the movies that Tommy and I did. It's sort of like Tommy and Greg, you know, do Breaking Bad. Tommy is like the Heisenberg character. He plays a vampire mortician. And I wrote that in like four days. Trust me, friendship before money. Can you say that? Yeah. What? Huh. Trust me, friendship before money. Right. And uh, I just started getting into like telling stories and getting back to writing. So I wrote Best Friends. Uh, and then I went and wrote the screenplay for Miracle Valley. So that's sort of uh, the disaster has definitely ignited that passion to, to go get back and, and tell stories. Excellent. Um, how how do you find juggling the your co sort of uh, roles currently as as being a writer and director at the same time? Like, I guess there's a lot weighing on your mind on set. Um, how, how do you handle that? And has it been daunting at all? Yeah, I think the writing part is my favorite, and then I think with Miracle Valley, it was great because I was living in the environment that I wrote the story in. So I memorized the scenes in my mind before we filmed. Um, so that was very, um, that was very exciting because I knew what the movie was gonna look like. So directing came a lot easier than it would have if we started from scratch. So I think the most rewarding part is writing and creating the world. And I hope, uh, I hope to do more directing um, in the future because it's always enjoyable working with characters, bringing them to life, as opposed to focusing on an act, being an actor. A lot of times actors are only thinking about their performance and the way they're coming off. So it's more rewarding when you're directing a film and seeing all the pieces come together. Right. Yeah. What would you say are the, are the most difficult bits in directing? What would you say are your blockers? How would you go around them? I think with directing, it's it all comes down to casting. If you've got the right actor who fits the part, who knows what they're trying to say, you can just sit back and guide them and let them do their thing. So I think the hardest part is when you have an actor that isn't quite clicking with the material, it doesn't quite get the story and what they're trying to say and having to push them and guide them and pull things out of them. So I find that writing a part for an actor, getting that actor to portray that role makes everybody's life easier yeah, right. and makes directing, you know, you're already set, now you can sit back and have fun and tweak things. But yeah. uh, casting I think is, is most important. Yeah, and, and have you had situations where you've not, I guess, hired the right person and you've got to sit there and try and mentor and guide them? You know, is there a line drawn in the sand saying, look, this individual doesn't really cross it, we're going to have to let them go, or have you been in those situations before? I've luckily had, like, actors that are really passionate and maybe if they don't always fit the part, they're given their all and you can always work with it, change things, cut around. Um, you know, I've, I've been lucky to work with people that are really happy to be there. And that's another thing is, you know, we don't know how a movie's going to be received. People are going to love it or not. The, all you can control is the experience making it and the team you have. So try to get the best team and have the best time you can. Can, can you see yourself writing another book uh, in the future, another autobiographical book? Because obviously a lot has happened in your life since, uh, you know, the room was released in the last decade or so. And yeah, do you think it might to maybe an updated disaster out of Stephen or just a, another book writing about your further experiences? Yeah, there's so much that's gone on in the past 20 years since the rumors released. Um, 
you know, I, and I usually take these weird experiences and try, turn them into films. Um, but I think ultimately, yeah, there's definitely another, you know, great chapter in this whole saga. And, you know, who knows how it's going to end? You know, it's been 20 uh, years and yeah. the room's still going. So, um, you know, I think I'm a, I'm a storyteller in my mind and I'm always capturing things and um, noting and remembering. So hopefully, yeah, someday we, there's another book uh, to write. Oh, I would love to say that. Yeah. yeah, likewise. That's fantastic. Uh, well, Greg, look, thank you so much for your time on this. Really appreciate everything. When you come to Melbourne, we've got to catch up. We've got to have a beer. We have to throw a ship on the barbie. Um, and yeah, February. We'll do... It'll be February, so get it's ready. It's been an honour for us. We're, we're lifelong fans. We've come across the room. Where was it, Tom? Probably about 15 years ago or so. Yeah, oh, look, I think it, yeah, it would have been around 2006 when we yeah. first saw the room. And uh, the first of many hundred viewings uh, <laughs> since then. But, uh, oh, we just can't thank you enough, you know, for joining us and, and for the entertainment you've given us. That uh, will always be fans. Thanks for the support. And yeah, I hope, to, hope you enjoy the new film and we'll get to see it in person. Absolutely. Looking forward Very to Very excited to see that. Yeah. Thank you so oh, much okay. for your time. Good on you, mate. Have a good night, man. Take care. Yes, mate. Take care. Thanks, Greg. Bye. One of them found out about it, beat her up so bad she ended up in a hospital on Guerrero Street. <laughs> what a story, Mark. I'm so happy I have you as my best friend, and I love Lisa so much. Oh, man, I just can't figure women out. Sometimes they're just too smart. Sometimes they're flat out stupid. Other times they're just evil. It seems to me like you're an expert, Mark. Oh, hi, Danny. What's wrong with Mark? He's cranky today. <laughs> Throughout this podcast, the films discussed and audio played are the property of their respective owners and no infringement is intended. Be sure to subscribe to iHeartBee Movies or I will fucking hunt you.